0: Instagram.com slash detectives. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Well, today we're starting our twice-annual listener support slash appreciation campaign with our first special, and we're going to do something that we haven't really done on this podcast before. We have featured episodes of the program Guest Star on the amazing world of radio, and I'm sure that we're going to end up doing something with them on old-time radio snack wagon. But uh, we've never featured Guest Star episodes on The Great Detectives, because Guest Star was really not a detective program. It was a program designed to sell U.S. savings bonds. Each episode would feature a special guest star who could either be a musician, a comedian, or an actor. If they were a musician, then they would just play their music. Comedians and actors would do sketches or routines. And the entirety of the program would run 15 minutes, which would always include some musical interludes from the Savings Bond Orchestra. It's a fun series to listen to. You never quite know what you're going to get with it. And I have actually found a couple of these that are detective themes. So we will go ahead and play those for you. The first one is relatively early in the uh, guest star program's history. It's the 18th episode from July the 24th, 1947, and stars Basil Rathbone. Let's go ahead and take a listen.
1: Where you work, it's the payroll savings plan. Where you bank, it's the bond
2: a month plan. Everywhere, it's United States savings bonds
1: for real financial security.
2: How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, Kenny Delmar, introducing Guest Star, one of a series of programs produced and transcribed in New York and presented by this station and United States Savings Bonds as a public service. Our guest star for this program is Basil Rathbone, star of stage, screen, and radio. In his role as radio detective, Mr. Rathbone has caught more criminals than you'd think possible, even in radio. Before we start him out on the trail, however, here's music by the Three Dollars and the Savings Bonds Orchestra under the direction of Dennis Seguet, It's a medley of two favorites, Mary Lou and Ain't She Sweet.
3: Mary Lou, Mary Lou, cross my heart. The bell in the steeple is ready to ring, and all the people are planning pretty presents just for you, Mary Lou. Won't you give your promise too? Why, for miles around there waiting to start to celebrating when you say I do, Mary Lou. Street. They'll ask you very confidentially, ain't she sweet? Ain't she nice? Look her over once or twice. Now ask you very confidentially, ain't sweet?
2: Confidentially, ain't she sweet? Yeah, yeah, well that was fine, gang And now, now here is our guest star, Basil Rathbone How do you do, ladies and gentlemen, and how are you, Kenneth? Simply top-hold, old boy. How's yourself? <laughs> well, uh, I was planning to say that I was simply top-hold, but you seem to have got there ahead of me. Ha <laughs> ha. Doesn't happen often, you know. Quite right. I've heard you many times as a radio detective, and I know a fella has to get up early in the morning to get ahead of you. Yes. <laughs> it's best to stay up all night. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Basil, what is the most important requirement for a fiction detective? Well, Kenneth, I should say the most important requirement is that he, um, he have a stupid assistant. You know, the type of fellow who goes about making casts of his own footprints, stumbling over evidence. That's all the chap. One can pick them up rather, rather reasonably. Uh-huh. Well, uh, say, for example, that uh, you started a detective agency and you were the great detective. Uh, where would you get a dumb assistant? Dear boy, don't be so modest. <laughs> what? Oh. oh, yes. Well, but I, I hate to be typed. Say no more, we're in business. Music maestro, if you please. And now, ladies and gentlemen,
4: we bring you Who Done It? Starring those amazing detectives,
1: Rathbone and Delmar. Honestly, folks, we don't know who done it, but there's one thing we are sure of Rathbone and Delmar don't know either. <laughs> so here
4: they
2: are, our defective detectives.
1: We find them in their office, which they are redecorating in anticipation of the next crime wave.
2: While well, we're fixing up the place, I uh, think we'll take those pictures down. Yeah, what's wrong with them, Chief? I see some just like I'm in a dentist's office. Yes, but this is not a dentist's office. We're detectives. We ought to put things up, uh, well, something significant, something uh, to indicate our calling. Yeah, who's calling, Chief? <laughs> no, 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 you don't understand. Well, uh, give it to me again slow, huh? I said that since we are detectives, we should fix up the office so people will know what we are when they walk in. You follow me? Oh, sure, I'm following you, well, chief. Well, stop it at once. It makes me nervous. <laughs> well, uh, how do you figure to fix the place up, chief? Well, we'll hang a few uh, sets of fingerprints around. That'll give the place class. Oh, where'll we get the prints? Make some with your little dandy junior fingerprint outfit. I ain't got it yet, chief. I I ain't got enough box tops. Why? <laughs> I told you about it two months ago. Yeah, I know, but I just can't get used to that trash-bang cracker corn breakfast food. (laughs) It tastes good, Chief Hay, but it makes so much noise, it keeps me awake at breakfast. Nonsense, Kenny. You start eating trash-bang cracker corn three times a day, until you send away for that little dandy junior fingerprint outfit. Do you hear me? Okay, Chief. Then I think we should have a few clues around, too. Clues, Hay? Yes, clues. Now, I... I don't want to tell you again what a clue is. I've told you a hundred times. No, wait, no, wait. Don't tell me. Don't tell me, Chief. I got it. Uh, it's something uh, the guy who done it leaves behind him. That's right. Like, uh, say, his hat and coat. And uh, then we look in his hat for his initials.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, uh, and then we look in his coat, and there's a letter from the mob. And yes, we, My uh, dear fellow, why should a criminal leave his hat and coat behind? Maybe it's turned warm out.
3: <laughs>
2: then he wouldn't wear his hat and coat, would he? Leave them at home. Okay, so we go to his home and search his closet uh, He don't get away from us so easy, huh, No, he? no, no, Kenny You don't find anything like that lying around You look for little things like, uh, well, uh, a hairpin Aha, uh-huh, so a dame done it uh-huh. <laughs> Or perhaps we find a suspender button and a guy with her, huh?
3: Aha uh-huh.
2: Now we're getting warm All we have to do now is to find a fellow with a suspender button missing Sure, or a dame who's minus a hairpin It's as simple as ABD
3: <laughs>
2: you mind, Kenny? A, B, C Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Chief I remember you told me that before Well, try and keep it in mind Yeah So you think we, uh, we ought to put some clues around, hey? Yes, it'll give the place a professional turn Yeah, but if we put them clues around, the evidence will point to us <laughs> Don't worry, Kenny, we'll have an alibi And the clues will impress the clients Oh, gee. what clients? The ones we're going to the ones we're going to get stupid, after all, we're not in business for our health, are we? No, I feel fine, Chief. But uh,
3: <laughs>
2: maybe after that last case we worked on, we won't get no more clients. Inspector Flagg, you know, was awful mad at us. Oh, well, that was just a little accident. Could have happened to anybody. Yeah, but especially for us. <laughs> Inspector Flagg figured that we should have known that guy was the crook we were after when, when we saw him trying to get in through the window. Well, after all, you know, the chap, chap said that he lived there and had just forgotten his keys, and he had proof, too. How do you mean, Chief? Well, remember, when we searched him, he didn't have any keys. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, then they uh, they said to look for a clean-shaven man, and this guy had a little mustache. Of course. Remember how it kept on coming off?
3: <laughs> then the
2: police said that the man they wanted was short. This fellow looked short. But when we asked him just to check up, he said he was six foot four. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what the man said. Yeah, that's right, Chief. You know, I think that Inspector Flagg was mad about us giving the guy money for a railroad ticket to get out of town. Well, after all, Kenny, the chap said that he was leaving town for his health and naturally you would like to help anybody who's sick.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, uh, Chief, we were pretty smart about getting that I.O.U. out of him for the dough we lent him, though. And we were pretty smart to sign it ourselves instead of letting him sign it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kenny,
2: certainly. The man was a perfect stranger. Why should we let him sign it? Sure. Hey, uh, Chief, Somebody's at the door there. Maybe it's a client. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, Rashbone
1: and Delmar, the great detectives?
2: Yes, indeed. Sit right down, won't you? Uh, just a minute. Let me get you, uh, let me get this clue off that chair. I don't see anything. No, of course not. That's our business. We notice everything. Now, what can we do for you? I'd like to employ you, gentlemen. Oh, isn't that splendid? I'll explain the details of the Case? You case? Think. My dear fellow, I believe you're suffering under a misapprehension. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's doing, all right. Yeah, Chief, he's suffering under that thing there. Uh, we are radio detectives. Radio detectives? You mean you don't want to take a case? A case? Certainly not, my dear fellow. What we want is a sponsor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Basil Rathbone. For that interesting glimpse of radio detectives. And now the three dollars sing for us with Dennis Agay, the Savings Bonds Orchestra, and when Yuba plays the tuba.
3: His name was Yuba. He was homely, he was dumb, and so was Yuba. Just a big ambitious bum, and when he bummed a big bass tuba, then he bummed his way to Cuba. And And the rest and the rest is history. In Havana, there's a funny-looking buba. He plays the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Oh, any he sampled, sell an apple, but the champ would rather grapple with his oompa-oompa-oompa. They prefer it to the booba boopa doopa They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. It doesn't take him very long to get a tumbo. For all the rumble lovers going to the rumble Oh, how I'd like to be his double phone Without a bit of trouble with his loop a He can knock the ladies for a loop They love the rumble of the super down in Cuba He's not a green whore. He blows a mean whore A must-be-seen whore No, he's a whiz His name is Yuba he was homely, he was dumb and slow you, but Just a big ambitious bum he wouldn't do it. So much as you a piece of gum So new to Why, oh, Havana loves this funny-looking booba Who plays the rumble
2: you and I wouldn't do very well solving problems, but there's one problem that everyone can solve for himself. And what is that, Basil? Well, Kenny, I'm referring to the savings problem which faces everyone. It's really no problem at all, however, when you save the easy, automatic way with U.S. savings bonds. Tell us more about that, Basil. Well, everyone can now save regularly, the easy, automatic way, where you work or where you bank. Where you work, it's called the payroll savings plan. A certain amount is set aside for you each week, from your salary for investment in U.S. savings bonds. If you're not on regular salary, there's the new bond-a-month plan at your bank. If you have a checking account, you simply tell them at the bank what denomination of U.S. savings bonds you want each month, and the bank does the rest. Well, it certainly does sound like the easiest way to save. It is, Kenny. It's easy, automatic, and sure. Remember, where you work, it's the payroll savings plan. Where you bank, it's the bond-a-month plan. And there's another important thing to remember about U.S. savings bonds. They return $4 for every three invested in just 10 years. U.S. savings bonds are backed by your government, too. There's no safer investment in the world. If you're not already saving regularly the easy, automatic way, the U.S. savings bonds, get full details. Where you work or where you bank. U.S. savings bonds are your investment in America, your safeguard for the future. (music) This is your host, Kenny Delmar, signing off for Guest Star, one of a series of programs presented by this station and United States Savings Bonds as a public service. Guest Star is produced and transcribed in New York. We want to thank Basil Rathbone for appearing with us on this program. Thank you very much, Basil. And until next we meet, here's a question to remember. Have you invested in United States
1: Savings Bonds? This week, they're a goodbye. Goodbye, that is. (laughs)
0: Welcome back! That was a cute sketch. Rathbone definitely has some good uh, comedic timing, Uh, and I love the way he said some things, like that whole line where Delmar asked where he could get someone uh, like he described, and. Rathbone said, oh boy, don't be so modest, just a a great line, good read, and of course Rathbone had not just played Sherlock Holmes on the air, he had actually gone on to do another detective role in the series Scotland Yard, and then he had a more light-hearted series where he played Basil Rathbone who would solve crimes in Tales of Fatima. So, he definitely knew a thing or two about the detective genre over radio. Our next episode of Guest Star comes uh, quite a bit further down the road, and it's a slightly more serious sketch, although it would kind of have to be. It stars Robert Preston. The original air date is March the 18th, 1951, and the title is... The 1st of April.
1: The United States Treasury Department presents Guest Star with Harry Sosnick and the Savings Bonds Orchestra, yours truly John Conte, and starring Robert Preston. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is John Conte, your host for Guest Star, a transcribed feature for Defense Bonds, presented by this station as a public service. May it serve as a reminder that your country's independence goes hand in hand with financial independence. Invest in America and in your own future with United States Defense Bonds. Buy them automatically through the payroll savings plan where you work or the bond a month plan where you bank. Harry Sosnick leads the Savings Bonds Orchestra in the curtain raiser for our show, a special Sosnick arrangement of The Man I Love. <laughs> Now it's my pleasure to introduce today's special guest, the popular motion picture star, Robert Preston, who appears in an original sketch titled The First of April. For Mr. Preston's performance, we take you to Hollywood and our narrator, Rod O'Connor. There was trouble in the air that night. John Train, district attorney, had a feeling of impending danger. He sat in the living room with Helen, his wife. John was due in court early the next morning to prosecute Bonzo, the racket king. As John went through his notes on the case, trouble crept across the porch and rang the doorbell. That's Frenchie DeVoe. Helen, you better go upstairs.
4: Why,
5: John?
1: Because
4: Frenchie's bringing me information, and he won't talk unless we're alone. John, who was that? Stay back. Stay out of this. They're after Frenchie. Right on my own doorstep, Frenchie! Frenchy. Notebook inside the pocket. Notebook. First. Yes, yes. First of April. Go on. (laughs) Frenchy. There goes my bonzo case.
5: There's nothing in this notebook, John, but a list of dates.
4: The last thing Frenchy said was notebook. Notebook. First of April.
5: That's the first date in the book. The first of April, the first of March, June 4th, February 4th. What could they be?
4: First of April... Dates of certain payments, protection money, probably. But how much? And who got it? Oh, I won't have a case tomorrow unless I can figure this out. Oh,
5: you have a dozen witnesses.
4: Witnesses. After what happened tonight, they'll shut up like clams, and I can't blame them. The answer is in this notebook, if I can just be smart enough to see it. The 1st of April. The 1st of April. Now what? Helen, you better go upstairs. John,
5: don't answer
4: Nonsense. This is America, darling. Ah, the alert Mr. Train. Good evening. Well, it's Bonzo himself. You're a little late, Bonzo. You should have been around here about three hours ago. Or maybe you were. Oh. You had a little trouble here, didn't you? Someone killed my star witness, that's all. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. A Frenchie DeVoe. Uh, he used to work for me. So he told me. Well, come on, what do you want? Well, Mr. Train. I was wondering if we could arrange a little deal. Your case has been shot full of holes. Bonzo, the only deal I make with John in here, he's coming through the window. Okay, Ellen. I'm, I'm I'm coming. Hey, what do you want in here? Got
3: the notebook, John.
4: Yeah, give me that. You big. <laughs> That's for scaring my wife, and the rest are for frenzy. <laughs> and here's one for me. <laughs> Remind me to order a new window pane tomorrow.
5: John's gone. Did he get the notebook? No,
4: no, I got it. Let him go. I can have him picked up later. He's one of Bonzo's gorillas. Bonzo? That reminds me. Gone. All Bonzo wanted was to keep me out here while his men stole the notebook. Well, now we know that notebook means something, and I'm gonna stay up until I find the answer. Uh-oh.
5: April, March.
4: No, it's crazy, Helen, but we've got to. We've got. A. Maybe it's the first letter of the word April. A. We could try it. The first of March is M. The fourth of June is C. American. American. Honey, we're getting it. Now make another pot of coffee, strong coffee, because we're going to stay up all night.
1: Quiet in the courtroom, please. Proceed, Mr. Train.
4: And now, Mr. Bonzo, I show you Exhibit 13, a small black notebook. Have you ever seen it before? Why,
1: no. No, I never have.
4: Will you read the first few entries in the book?
1: First of April, the first of March, 4th of June. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. When you know how
4: to read it, it makes a great deal of sense. As I shall prove later, those dates refer to the American Safe Deposit Company of Homedale, and to Box 1919, rented by a Mr. Henry R. Jones. What does that have to do with me? Mr. Bonzo, I'll be happy to show you. Your Honor, I offer in evidence the contents of Box 1919. All right, gentlemen, place it on this table. Your Honor... Here are Len Bonzo's books and records, his canceled checks, the complete proof of all his gambling activities, Mr. Bonzo. I suggest that you change your plea to guilty and throw yourself on the mercy of the court. All right, Mr. Crane, All right. I know what I'm like, Your Honor. I change my plea to guilty. Oh,
5: it's good to get back home, darling. You were wonderful. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Oh, I was wonderful. Good night, honey. Wake me up. Oh, where's the... Uh...
5: When, when do you want me to wake
4: you? Oh, uh, first of April. Not this April. Next April.
1: Bob, that was a very convincing
4: performance indeed. Thanks, Rod. It was a believable part, so it was easy to be convincing. And I'd like to be equally convincing when I talk about savings bonds. There just isn't a better investment anywhere. Keep
1: going. You're doing swell. Well,
4: here's the way I see it, Rod. There isn't a man, woman, or child throughout this country of ours that hasn't some special dream for the future. For one, it might be the hope of owning his own business someday, or his own home. Another has plans for his youngster, wants to give him the best possible education. And maybe another just wants to take a few months off for a trip, or perhaps to go off to some quiet mountain stream and do a little fishing. <laughs> That's for me.
1: Yeah, well,
4: thanks for savings, Bond. Every one of those dreams can come true. All you need to do is to buy them on a regular basis and let them pile up. Almost before you know it, the money's there for that down payment or the, or the college tuition or that railroad
1: ticket to Utopia. All right you are. So, friends, take Bob Preston's tip. Buy bonds regularly, automatically through the payroll savings plan where you work. Or, if you're your own boss, through your bank's bond-a-month plan.
4: And don't forget, folks, that when you start that dream fund with savings bonds, you're becoming a shareholder in the greatest country on Earth. So long, and thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, Robert Preston. Now here again are Harry Sosnick and the Savings Bonds Orchestra to wind up the show with Harry's own arrangement of September Song. Past quarter hour, you've been listening to Guest Star, a transcribed feature for Defense Bonds, presented by this station every week as a public service. May I express our thanks to Robert Preston, our star, for an outstanding performance. The supporting cast included Barbara Fuller and Peter Leeds, and Lewis Graff directed the play. Next week, we'll have another famous guest and more music by the Savings Bonds Orchestra, so we hope you'll join us. Meanwhile, this is John Conte reminding you that your country's strength is in your hands. Save for defense with the regular purchase of United States defense bonds. There is no finer investment in the world.
0: Welcome back. Well, an interesting story. Now, obviously, there are problems with it, particularly from the courtroom procedure standpoint. But that said, you have to make allowances for the fact that this was a story that they probably only had nine minutes to tell, and I think they did uh, pretty well with that, with an interesting puzzle to work out, and even a plot twist thrown in. It's also nice to hear Robert Preston over radio, and probably Robert Preston's most famous role was in The Music Man, which would be released in 1962. Now, I have to admit that I didn't actually see that film until I was in my 30s. As a child of the 80s, what I knew Robert Preston from was The Last Starfighter, which obviously was towards the latter end of his life. But it gave me a connection to the actor. His performance in that movie is the thing that I most liked about it, and i watched that film so many times when i I was a kid, that it really is a delight whenever I come across his older work. And I was really happy to share some of it that he did over radio. All right, well now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And you can become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to go ahead and thank David. David has been one of our Patreon supporters since March of 2021, currently supporting the program at the Chief of Detectives level of $30 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, David and that will do it for today if you're enjoying this podcast please follow us using your favorite podcast software we'll be back next Sunday with another listener support slash appreciation special but join us back here tomorrow for the adventures of Sam Spade where our boy
1: Sammy walked into the beautifully appointed office of young Dr. Hawks at 450 Sutter to find his nurse pretty young Nora Sheldrake a new character Working at her desk in the reception room. In response to a question from Sammy, we hear Nora saying,
5: I have no idea where Martin has gone, Mr. Spade, but I can tell you why.
1: Tell me, Nora. Please feel free to tell me everything.
5: It's. it's that. that woman, Mr. Spade. Agatha? Yes. Yes, Agatha. Mm -hmm. She never understood Martin. She doesn't understand Martin. She never has tried to understand Martin. Do you hear me? uh, She never has tried.
1: I take it you don't care for Agatha Pilgrim. I hate her. Nora.
5: I do. I hate her. She thinks her money can buy everything. Even Martin. Well, it won't. She knows that now.
1: Well, calm yourself, Nora. Try and think back now to the last time you saw Martin Hawks.
5: It... It was Monday.
1: Four days ago?
5: Yes. The call came in some legal firm named Bennett and Hatch.
1: Let me write that down.
5: I switched the call into Martin. I was worried for him. I was concerned. I have to admit now, I did a terrible thing. Ah,
1: you listened in.
5: I did. They told him his sister was in town, that she was working at some... some nightclub. And wanted to see him.
1: Uh, What nightclub was this?
5: Let me see. It was the... The Tortuga. What else? That's all. They hung up then, and Martin came out. I watched the blood drain from his handsome features.
1: His hand trembled, his jaw
5: clenched. Yes. I'm going out, Nora, he said. If I'm not back, don't worry. That's all.
0: It was...